once again, four oracles, foracles, have peered into the messily arranged chicken bones of cinema's history to see what may be in it for us in the future. Perhaps will we learn of our own demise? Perhaps will we learn of some savior come to humanity? What do we have to learn from the films set in 2023? If people aren't video high completionists, I feel like it's good just to like let How them know they? that this is our like third How time good point, taking... Josh. The, the Wikipedia list of films set in the coming year so we can get kind of a glimpse into what the future may hold for us. Happy New Year and all that. <laughs> Past years we've gotten yeah. to talk about like Soylent Green and Moon Zero Two Ooh, yeah. and Johnny Mnemonic. Like there have been some good ones and I feel like 2023 is going to be up there. Yeah, you know, I don't know about you guys' movies, but I'm excited yeah. to hear what they're yeah, all yeah, I have a good one. I, I definitely have a good one. Before really, we get really too in the weeds, happy new year. Happy new year. Uh, let's fucking odd lane some signs, y'all. <laughs> Somehow the uh, computers didn't shit the bed this year again. Yes. Nevertheless, video high persists <laughs> into <laughs> yeah, the future. Say, against all odds, we're entering our third year of podcasting. That's yeah, this is pretty, pretty fucking wild. We're moving towards Godcasting. Yeah. <laughs> well, I looked at the Wikipedia article for 2023 and sort of taking it all in, and I just said to myself, you know what, 2023? Bring it on! <laughs> uh, I did bring it on, cheer or die. Oh my god, we're so dead! Oh no. Uh, um oh. Did, okay. did you now? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Is that huh. is my left turn approach surprising to use? Oh. I thought you were gonna be a Gemini rising guy, Greg. I'm gonna be perfectly Nominaries, honest. Aries, Aries. <laughs> <laughs> Julie could not have assumed that Greg Hans would choose a Bring It On movie. In the movie. year of our oh. Lord 2023. Listen, this is a cheerocracy. <laughs> oh. um, is it going to be a problem that I also did Bring It On, Cheer or Die? Oh, no. Jamie! Oh, uh, okay, I know we live together and are married, but we kept this a secret because fun. I also did bring it on, cheer or die. Oh, oh no. <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute. No. No. Casey, no. Casey, no. Oh, no. No. Casey. Oh, it really was Slim Pickens in 2023. No. It's not a large article. How many is it long? It's not long. It's four. And, and most of them don't count. Like, two Marvel properties. It's kind of surprising we didn't do those, Josh. Yeah. The Avengers Endgame and X-Men Days of Future Past. I mean, I like both those movies, but I've seen them. They don't seem fu- suitable for this yeah, podcast. At least D- Days of Future Past is like was made in 2014 and was predicting that in 2023 all of the Sentinels were going to be killing all the mutants. I just blacked out whatever you just said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That is interesting considering how in 2014 
how friendly our sentinels were (laughs) (laughs) and how safe our mutant population was. Well, I want to hear what Greg has to say. He is the most interesting perspective from whence the Bring It On, Cheer or Die movie can come from. I would have put hard money down on the fact that Greg Hansen was not willing to watch a Bring It On movie. (laughs) I would have bet serious money on that. Are we, are we saying that the seventh son of a seventh son, <laughs> bring it on, was was not up my alley? <laughs> you know what? I could, I've been wrong before, Greg. Welcome to another beautiful day at Let's All Get High School. <laughs> we have a few morning announcements. First things first, uh, as you all know... This couldn't be more of a disaster if we tried. Insane. 7th Cheer Centric Bring It On franchise. The 6th straight to video entry after the original. In 2002, a girl dies from being pushed off the top of a cheeramid. And so the school says no more cheerleading squad. In 2022, a girl with bangs, who's for sure 18, is the nervous co-captain of the now boring club. 
restrained from doing aerials. When the evil principal yells at the captains for trying to do some flippies, they decide that the only way to win the regionals is to practice flinging each other in secret at the derelict old school across town on Halloween. An unknown figure in the team's Diablo mascot getup starts killing cheerleaders. They have to Gymkata a bit, and Bang's girl has to get over her fear of heights. That's it. Uh, Why, thank you, Ricky, for the excellent announcement. Don't forget, everyone, really important pop song needle drops in horror movies don't work. Uh, Okay, enjoy your day. (laughs) Which which needle drop are you referring to, Greg? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... I'm glad that the only movie any of us saw fit to talk about (laughs) (laughs) leading into 2023 was Bring It On, Cheer or Die. I'm also glad that we all powered through despite it not taking place in 2023 until the ending (laughs) scene. It got there. It got there. It got there eventually. So what did you all think about (laughs) Bring It On, Cheer or Die? Oh. My God. Wait, so my worry has been both like assuaged and in another sense aggravated because <laughs> assuagevated assuagevated yes thank you very much Josh <laughs> like I was worried that we were all doing the same movie thinking that we'd all have the same opinion of it as me which is loving it <laughs> <laughs> so that's sucks Greg that you were into it I'm sorry dude What's not to love? It's a made-for-TV horror movie that they can barely show any blood during. <laughs> can barely afford to financially or ratings-wise. That's true. Good question. Are we having a brief intermission for discussion, oh, okay. or are we going right are to the book reports, like, or are we, we doing gotta, discussion I, gotta, I want to respond to what Greg said. Okay. okay. Oh, okay in, in the debate club rules, this is your two-minute yeah, yeah. allotted rebuttal time. Yes. Okay. Time starts. No. no. Frankly, Greg Hansen said that the uh, <laughs> plot twist was obvious. But I think in a post-Scream world, when you're playing only with tropes, the only thing you can do with those Crayola colors is smush them around. And I love is the way Is do a this scream? It's just do, do a, a scream? scream. <laughs> but it was, it, at the very least... So many of the kills in Scream, while sure we're having a super fun time with the tropes and whatnot, the kills are still just stabby death kills. (laughs) This movie knew how to pull out the deaths from quite literally everywhere <laughs> any item in fact most of the characters died by two or three different I, that, well, that's, yes, okay yes. okay so you know that coco chanel quote about how like when you get your ensemble all ready to go for the day like look yourself in the mirror and take off one accessory that's what this killer needed to do like it's very cool that this killer was doing everything but sometimes it needed to focus like you can't chop off fingers with a paper cutter and drown in a toilet and hit on the back of the head with blunt force trauma like you got to pick a lane per death and each death should have a cool death that's what i think i i couldn't disagree harder (laughs) (laughs) i think it was more of a uh, each one had like a a main kill and then a side Side kill kill. right (laughs) Mm. Uh, Greg, what didn't what didn't what didn't work for you, bud? Um, in brief, everything, uh, <laughs> mm, and to be specific, pretty much all of it. <laughs> Slasher movies have been so done, and so yeah. unless you're doing something interesting, 
It feels like a non-movie. And this is the the interesting thing about this is simply the concept of taking a well-worn like comedy franchise and turning it into a horror. <laughs> that as a as a capsule idea is interesting. And that is where it ended. <laughs> because it felt like we had a bunch of characters that are just that are just reading from like woke Twitter <laughs> talking to each other. And also like in Winnipeg. Yeah. <laughs> just is just a bunch of stereotypes running around a school getting killed with little to no atmosphere or intrigue. If you're making a slasher movie in 2022, that's what you don't do. Yep. You have to do something more different. Uh, otherwise... Uh, excuse me. Did you not catch all the references to eggplant emojis? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's also there's also so much 35-year-old person writing 15-year-old person's dialogue as then uh, spoken by a 32-year-old. Yeah. Like, it's... There's, <laughs> It really ran the whole generational gamut, I have to say. Oh, yeah. It's also upsetting because, like, they're, like, a, an original era slasher movie. Like, it, in one side of me, I could almost say, oh, it's really cool to have, like, someone in, like, a mascot killing people. That's cool and original. But it isn't. 1983's mm -hmm. Girls' Night Out has a, a person in a mascot. Kill like, it's... Happy, oh, happy, happy Death Day did it, too. Happy more Death recently. Day is more recent And to that. way more clever. Yeah. And used the same needle drop. I'm going to be... <laughs> Used the same needle drop. Yes, it same did. One. Yes, it oh, did. Oh wow! It's Jamie, it came course, out call. before. It came out before yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, of course it did. But I think it's also a Universal Music Group song. Oh, which you're is right. Why you they could get Universal. Away with it. Yes. Right. Okay. Yes. Five years ago, though, is also where all the references <laughs> within this movie <laughs> lived. So it's yeah, like, like Slenderman. Oh, we, have, yeah. we, have, we we mentioned Slenderman multiple times for one yeah, character. That's fucking ten years ago, y'all. Like Bazinga, bitch. What? Yeah, Bazinga Bitch, the slutty virgin girl is like, but I have a really sexy Halloween costume. And one of the other girls goes, okay, Tori, you can be slutty Jigsaw next year. Like, Jigsaw? What the, <laughs> the movie is bad, right? Yeah. <laughs> but as the movie went on, the jokes hit harder. And so it was almost like, I don't know, it created in me the effect of watching real teenagers not because their dialogue or casting was realistic but because like i hated them at first and the more i spent time with them i was like oh right humans <laughs> like them. also you say that it was a obvious twist but when that mascot head came off and it wasn't the principal i was like oh shit well, it, it I was. sure but it also sure. was the principal it was, it was right yes. yes it both was and wasn't. when they introduced the twin sister and she like scurries off. It's like, okay, well, that's if she doesn't get brought up again, that's obvious. Yeah, right. You know, and then the principal, and it was like, yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> it was so not a twist. It was every character presented with any sort of like mystery or, or suspicion. <laughs> it turned out to be them, right? Yeah. Like the twins. The creepy twin and the twin on the cheerleader squad ended up being the killers. The principal who hates the cheerleading squad was their mom who trained them to be killers. And the creepy AV kid who everyone suspected was the red herring who gets killed, right? So, yeah. like, no red herring went, uh, like, feast of seven fishes, right? Every <laughs> herring I'm was eaten in this one. <laughs> well... Should we do another official book report on Bring It On, Cheer or Die? Uh, yeah. I mean, we did the writing. We have to do it. 
<clears throat> All right, well, here we go. For my movie, I watched, obviously, the superhero action epic and second highest grossing film in human history <laughs> and apotheosis of our current cinematic epoch, Marvel's Avengers Endgame. <laughs> Until I got bored and switched over to 2022's Bring It On, Cheer or Die. What, what point was it? What point was it that you switched over, uh, Casey? There was this part near the beginning where you saw a bunch of pictures of the superheroes. And there was this music like. I know that's Jurassic Park, but it kind of sounded like that. That's usually when it loses me, too. We're so dead. Written and directed by people who both clearly know horror movies and clearly don't know nor have met or spoken to a teenager since their last pop culture patch update. Bring it on, Cheer or Die is a bottle slasher that, besides being the seventh film in the Bring It On series, Following only one cinematic and five direct-to-video releases, this sci-fi original takes full advantage of tropes and setting, or, if you speak in the current teen patch, bodies and spaces. <laughs> A post-scream meta-slasher is tough. You aren't going to impress an audience with simple dissection, no matter how you slice it. You know, the movie's pretty simple. Wow. Cheer team fights murderers and dies to them. But you don't find one location-themed murder. You gotta do two per character, at least. Oh, you, what, are you gonna axe kill the stoner? Nah, sucker. I'm gonna blow dart that motherfucker, then axe kill him. Bear trap death? Nah, sucker. Drowned in a toilet. Wait, but she dies by bludgeoning. Yeah. With a toilet. <laughs> I have wanted to use, as a horror fan and filmmaker... A paper cutter's blade yeah. as a weapon. The lead breaks the villain's teeth with said school paper cutter. Give the villain a lisp. Bring it on, <laughs> cheer or die. Nose. Fulfill the funny. Like when you live in a footloose town that forbids <laughs> cheer stunts. The kids need to survive with the cheer stunt at the end. Bring it on, cheer or die. Is about satisfaction. And twins! <laughs> I love horror movies have had its fair share of twins throughout history. The Grady sisters from The Shining, Dwayne and Belial in Basket Case, Talk a Video High movie, Todd and Terry in Blood Rage. Let's do Margot Kidder and Margot Kidder in Brian De Palma's Sisters. Let's do Jeremy Irons and Jeremy Irons in David Cronenberg's Dead Ringers. We love putting twins in horror movies. We have this odd sense of their supernatural abilities mixed with their, uh, uh, let's face it, de facto sexuality. And I say that only as someone who's been molded through my modern age. I go to Pornhub. I go to X Hamster. I go to You Come. I go to Splooge Space. I go to... Uh, How many uh, of these are real? Uh, hard On Book. I go to uh, uh, Tumblr seven years ago. I know that we love the idea of <laughs> making love to siblings. <laughs> But where does it come from? 
Bring It On, Cheer or Die begins in the year 2002 <laughs> with the loss of one half of a twin coupling. Now, a year before, we lost another twin coupling. Oh, didn't oh my God. <laughs> in the year 2001, we lost another set of twins. And we needed something to fill that twin-shaped hole inside ourselves. What came to us less than half a year later, in the year 2002, the same year that Bringing Our Cheer or Die begins? Well, that, my friends, was the Coors Light and Twins ad. Really? And this wasn't a Super Bowl ad or anything. It was just a normal commercial playing on normal TV. But that song and horniness towards twins took the United States by storm. Written by Aaron Evanson and John Godsey of the advertising firm Foot, Cone, and Belding. Sounds sexual, but okay. (laughs) They were tasked to create something that would resonate with the early to mid-20s demographic of men for a new Coors Light ad campaign. They thought back to a country folk song by Tom T. Hall called I Love. I love little baby ducks, old pickup trucks, (laughs) slow moving trains, and rain. (laughs) And the creative super duo known as Evanson and Godsey came together and wrote I love football on TV, shots of Gina Lee, Hanging with my friends. And after that came a creative challenge. What do we rhyme with friends? Roughly. In an attempt to connect with mid-twenties men who love music. They got their answer when they pitched their song to a Coors Light executive who said, and I quote, I've got one thing to say. (laughs) Twins. An advertising juggernaut was born that I think set the psychosexual standard for advertising to masculine type penis owner operators for the next 20 years and into today. And that's why I say, bring it on, cheer or die. Uh, oh, God, uh, uh, is good. <laughs> <laughs> the end. The only problem is the twins in Cheer or Die aren't like cool, sexy twins. They're more like. Um... That depends on what you're into. That's fair. Good point. You're right. Everything. All right. <laughs> if you're into psychopaths. Yep. Real talk, I've truly never gotten that. <laughs> to sleep with twins, right? No matter. Uh, you would either need to, like. Put in the effort to convince two siblings to have sex with each other. Crazy. Which feels Hercules. Madness. Crazy. Or sleep with two siblings who are willing to have sex with each other, which feels equally mad. unappealing. <laughs> <laughs> feels weird. Like you shouldn't be there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't realize till just now that the twins were played by twins. Oh, really? <laughs> I thought they were just people that we were calling twins. Like, unrelated to each other, but they are twin sisters. Oh. Paige Simmons and Evie Simmons, as portrayed by the Zimmerman sisters in huh. Bring It On, Cheer or Die. Spoiler alert to those interested in watching. Uh, the reveal at the end is that we are just fucking silly with twins. Yeah. <laughs> we are stupid with twins in this movie. The Not only are the murderers of our present day story twin sisters, but they are the daughters of 
of a twin sister who lost her twin sister. The Chiramid debacle of 2002. In the Chiramid debacle of 2002, yes. That left one girl dead. (laughs) And a nation shaken. (laughs) And raised her twin daughters to to avenge their aunt. Very funny. If it is that Principal Simmons is the twin sister of the girl that died, it is crazy Principal Simmons had any say over the cheer Mm -hmm. team and what they can and can't do. Hey man, John Lithgow's son dies in Footloose, yet he gets to say there's no rock and roll anymore. Yeah, she, above all else, was probably before the parent-teacher conference being like, we cannot have another tragedy like this happen again. My sister died that way. That's the only person who could get cheer canceled in a town, really. Yeah, I, I guess that's fair. Uh, though at the end, when she is still running free, yes. yeah, uh, we, a year later yeah. is 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 yeah. big. Question. How was I mean, she led into that funny. goddamn no, auditorium? That, that's the why. You know, part. she shouldn't be there. It's very confusing. But at the same time, I could understand arguing my way out of legally training my twin daughters to avenge their aunt. <laughs> like, could I, I could imagine being in the courtroom being like, I didn't do that. And a jury being like, yeah, of course she didn't do that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's insane. They're just creepy twins. I don't know what to tell you. Look at them. Aren't they creepy? Yeah, my girls were fucking crazy. I don't know what was going on in their life. They're both dead, so that's probably a wrap-up of everything. (laughs) Wait, would a jury of their peers be entirely made of twins? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, two juries. Two 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 full juries. Both identical. identical juries. So there's the evil jury and the good jury. I think it's at this point that it has to be said that um, everything that happens in this movie... The people dying, people ruining their Halloween plans for which to practice aerials <laughs> to win a contest. They are doing this for regionals. <laughs> regionals. <laughs> Not even states. No, Not even just states. regionals. Yeah, it's just one regionals. team that they have to beat, and it's presumably not the best team. No. Right. This is a body count for a county-wide competition. <laughs> it's called Body County. Body County, yeah. When it opens in 2002, it's like it's amazing because it is both portraying a period that I would imagine, especially when making a movie in 2022, is actually kind of hard to replicate, but it doesn't matter in a cheer competition because that is an art form that has not evolved much, Correct. I imagine, over the decades. No, it has not. Except for in one of the Bring It On movies, but we'll get to that. Ooh. You know, it was doing that thing which is just a hallmark of bad movies, which is we've got some action to cover. Let's put some dolly track perpendicular to it (laughs) and then just roll that dolly from screen right to left, right to left, just over and over again until we cover all the action, right? Yep, yep, yep. And when I see that, like my brain pretty much checks out, right? (laughs) My brain's pretty much just like, I'm not watching this movie anymore. And so it was up to this movie to win me back. And it did. Like when all was the, the exact moment do you think that it won you? Um second kill. It was Tori's kill. It was mm. the kill of the of the slut virgin Tori. Uh, <laughs> when she gets separated from the group, has a 
first a throwing knife thrown in her leg. Yes. Like a like a fucking Naruto throwing knife too. <laughs> yeah. Like very like yes. out of It was also the killer's weakest weapon for sure. Like they yeah, were Yeah, the one they sucked at. The they most. could not they did not have a mastery over the throwing knives. <laughs> Many of those went Hawaii. Yes. <laughs> yeah, throwing knife in the leg, blood pressure cuff around the neck to strangle. Beautiful. Which is called what? Sphygmomenomenor. Yeah. <laughs> what one more time? Sphygmomenomena. Yeah, she gets the she gets the sphygmomenomena uh, over her neck, strangled, and then the coup de gras, though not the kill, but the end of the scene is while she's reaching for the aforementioned throwing knife, reaches into a paper cutter, which is now on the floor, <laughs> and gets her fingers cut off, and that was way more fun a kill than I thought it would be. It's yeah. also important that that begets one of the only wink-wink references to bring it on later in the movie, which is oh, yeah. when they come in on the body and are like, those aren't spirit fingers. Right. <laughs> Buh. <laughs> Greg Braid Not broke. a fan. Greg Braid broke. <laughs> this movie... Did not spare a single expense for a murder. <laughs> well, like, well. Like every, I mean, I, uh, except, I guess expenses. on blood. <laughs> yeah, on the uh, on the effects. <laughs> the movie feels incredibly anti-cinematic in a lot of respects, and 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 I mean, I think to underscore really my main thoughts about this movie has nothing to do with the creativity or imagination around the kills. It has everything to do with the fact that. The thing that is interesting about slasher movies is the tone. Mm-hmm. The atmosphere usually makes or breaks a slasher movie, in my opinion, because there's just simply not that much going on in them most of the time. They're simple in their plotting. They're often simple in their characterization. And so you have to fill that with interesting settings, like set pieces, motivations, atmosphere and if you don't have that i'm just watching an like an agatha christie like whodunit but but instead of people eating fucking tea sandwiches they're they're talking about tiktoks (laughs) but like there are so many slasher movies and horror movies set in schools and these are all the set pieces that are in those movies like these aren't it's not like no one's ever thought to kill somebody with a, a paper cutter that's if you set a movie in a school someone is like the paper cutter thing is like a bit at this point so uh, forgive me if i'm not like wildly excited about it i think you're totally right because if we like trace horror and thought like horror movies Mm. back to like the apex slasher like back to uh halloween like game changing like nothing is the same after this moment what sets halloween apart from literally everything else is tone and that's like what it nails more than i would say any horror movie before or since even and and i just have a hard time again also with movies in both a post scream world but in a post five scream <laughs> there are so that's many fair. screams too um, yeah, it was silly with screams. That that like there was just there was never a point when anything in the movie surprised me. And they're in this school, but the school's like in the middle of a neighborhood, and you could see 
the the right. fucking houses from like in these shots and they're like how are we gonna get out of here it's just like y'all the people are asleep in those houses if you yell they will hear you yeah <laughs> things like that where it's like uh, it just it felt it felt lazy in a way that i don't think that they meant it to uh because clearly they were having a fucking blast making it oh yeah but well for my film, I did Bring It On, <laughs> Cheer or Die. Oh my god, we're so dead! Bring it on! As the one member of this podcast who was an 11-year-old girl when the original Bring It On came out, and therefore moderately closer <laughs> to the intended demographic... Don't assume. How dare you. I feel like my perspective is going to be essential in this podcast. Or at least it would be if I cared that much about Bring It On. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I'm familiar with its work. My entire friendship circle was the drama club, so obviously I know my spirit fingers from my spirit fingers, but I just don't care enough about the antics of high school cheerleaders. That is, of course, until 2011, when I saw, and this has been missing from everyone's book reports thus far, Bring It On The Musical. <laughs> oh yeah, there it is. That's... <laughs> the, the bridging of worlds. Yep. <laughs> Lyrics and music by Lin Manuel Miranda. That's right, Alexander <laughs> Hamilton himself. <laughs> I finally understood it. Watching these 20 somethings pretend to be high school cheerleaders, somehow on stage it feels both more egregious and less egregious, an age gap. <laughs> Cheerleading was musical theater by any other name, and I was hooked. But I digress. Because the musical that introduced us to such modern classics as It's All Happening and It Ain't No Thang, and future Broadway royalty Taylor Louderman, Adrian Warren, and Academy Award winner Ariana freaking DeBose, shares little DNA with the movie we all happen to watch, Bring It On, Cheer or Die. But it nevertheless plays an important part in its legacy. How did we get here? How did a teen cult classic starring Kirsten Dunst spawn an eventual cheerleading-based horror movie? So you have the original, directed by Peyton Reed, which was released theatrically and addressed some surprising themes for a team film of its era, including systematic inequality, cultural appropriation, and intersectional feminism. Such themes and the star power of its leads, again, look no further than Kirsten Dunst and Gabrielle Union, has allowed it to stay relevant for 22 years as a formative piece of teen media. Four years after it came out, you have a direct-to-video sequel called Bring It On Again that had none of the original cast or canonical references to the original movie. In fact, as you go down the line of all these sequels, really the only thing they have in common is that they don't have anything in common besides being stories about cheerleaders. And yet there are six sequels in total. Those are some land-before-time numbers. <laughs> Just to list them, you have Bring It On Again, Bring It On All or Nothing, Bring It On In It to Win It, Bring it on, fight to the finish. Bring it on, worldwide cheer smack. And of course, bring it on, cheer or die. All but the last contain pretty basic stories of cheerleaders, sometimes in high school, sometimes in college, sometimes exploring racial themes, sometimes not. And of course, in the middle, you have the aforementioned musical, which actually, as I was reading the plots of the other movies, shares the most DNA with the plot of Bring It On All or Nothing, in which a white girl gets transferred to a quote-unquote underprivileged high school and has to combine her cheerleading strengths with the cultural elements of the cheer squad already established there. Crumping plays a major part to lead the squad <laughs> to victory. <laughs> Not for nothing, I am also a fan of the plot description for Bring It On, In It to Win It, 
which borrows heavily from the plot of West Side Story, <laughs> even going so far as to name the warring cheerleader squads the Sharks no. and the Jets. Oh. <laughs> Again, I digress, but how can't you when you have a legacy this rich? So here we are at Bring It On, Cheer or Die. How did this franchise turn in an exploitative cheer slasher for sci-fi? The truth is, I don't actually know. I tried to find the answer. I could not find it. Co-written by someone I follow on Twitter who has made no mention of it on her Twitter except for a couple of retweets. We have this quote. We are excited to team up with Sci-Fi to continue this ever-popular franchise with an all-new installment from renowned filmmaker Karen Lamb, the very first female director of the movie series, which is also insane, what? says Glenn Ross, general manager and executive vice president of Universal 1440 Entertainment. Featuring a fresh take on the franchise's historically comedic films, this next chapter showcases a multi-talented, diverse cast and will entertain long-time Bring It On fans as well as open the doors to the legion of fans who enjoy thrillers. So, is it a cheap cash grab? Of course it is! Who's to say if it was even a Bring It On property originally? This whole script reads like it was added at the last minute for IP recognition. But you know what? Maybe it's a good thing. I'm not saying the entire world needs to be educated on the history and legacy of the Bring It On franchise, but it's so much to offer, and sometimes you just need an in. For some, maybe it was watching a bunch of musical theater actors flip on stage with pom-poms, and maybe for others, it will be a relatively bloodless slasher ripoff. Inspiration comes in many shades. Ooh, so true. Mostly of red. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my question, because if you'd believe it, I've seen the first Bring It On and none of the subsequent ones. <laughs> I can't believe it, Casey. If you'd believe it. Say it ain't so, Casey. <laughs> Not even the one with Hayden Panettiere. <laughs> Not even the Hayden Panettiere. <laughs> All right, who's going to say the requisite? Anybody? All right. Save the cheerleader, save the world. Okay, we got it out Oh, of right. Yeah, that's right. She was that. <laughs> right. She was the hero's cheerleader. She was cheerleader. the hero's cheerleader. Damn. Oh, my God. But um, in the original movie, it's the, uh, like, they're from San Diego or something, and they're the Toros. Yeah, the Toros. Burr, it's cold in here. I said there must be some Toros in the atmosphere. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Gabrielle Union's team is the East Compton Clovers. Clovers, yes. It's always Southern California, by the way. It's like always Southern what? California. <laughs> Weird. The first Bring It On is one of those movies that I love because it's such a, it's like so stuck in its time, right? Mm -hmm. A time capsule? Yeah, it's yeah. such a time capsule movie because it's like, you're right. There is like, you know, in its in its most meaningful sense is bringing up feminism and also like structural inequality within like you know the very notion of the plot is that this like compton high school is like working hard and writing something and then some cheer captain from the white part of southern california comes and steals everything right right but at the same time there's a whole character in that movie who his whole deal is i'm a male cheerleader so i can like stick my fingers in girls vages as i lift them yes and uh both being like, hey, we got a gay character in it. 
Uh, and isn't that fun that our like early 2000s comedy has a gay character and it's not a big deal? So because it's not a big deal, all our straight characters can just say fag. Yeah. <laughs> oh. It's yeah. like it, it's so stuck in 2000, that movie, that it's amazing that it has a <laughs> cinematic universe. <laughs> <laughs> of, of all the things you wouldn't expect to have this many legs, but I guess a pyramid has a lot of legs. So yeah. what do yeah. I know? And arms. And ar- <laughs> if I may, may I go through a character breakdown just so we don't get, I feel like this episode. Oh, yeah. Considering we all watch the same movie, might get the most lost in the sauce in terms of we're just talking about things that the listener has no idea about. Of course, yes, yes. <laughs> just a quick one. All right. So the characters include Abby, our lead, and the co-captain of the cheer team. Bangs. Bangs. All She's the bangs. bangs. She's she acts through bangs and revealed to be the daughter of the person who killed the cheerleader back in. 2002 and also knows that yeah yes yes <laughs> like she sort of says i have to live like, with this yes i know my mom killed and, and is well adjusted yeah <laughs> yes, it's like fine and her co-captain is michaela who started the cheer team with her and is dead is dead the whole movie <laughs> the entire movie smothered with a pom-pom yeah kind of fun something interesting about uh her is she has no parents yeah, <laughs> right. no one knows no one she's dead. Nobody her finds whatsoever. her body for a full twenty-four hours. I thought yeah, a big yeah. plot point when they got their phones back and on it were going to be like a thousand yeah. texts. That's like Michaela's dead. Michaela's dead, and that's when they were going to realize that there was a killer yeah. out See, there. See, that's actually that a really happen. interesting idea that yeah. this movie doesn't have. <laughs> <laughs> There's Tori, the quote-unquote slut, who the joke is constantly that she's actually a virgin. The person she's texting with is Danny, the guy that wants to bang her. The funniest bit of the whole movie, I think, <laughs> oh, in terms I think of I know expectation, yeah. sort of like subversion, is one of the guys tries to explain to Danny, Tori's been killed. And he's like, bullshit, man, that's not true. You're lying. I'm not listening to you. I'm going to totally have sex with her later. Like, where is she hiding? And the guy goes, dude, she's a virgin. And that's when the character has like a... The emotional uh, What? Like, <laughs> like a real, like, what are you talking? Serious. Shut up. Get away from me, man. Don't touch me. Like, I l- love that. <laughs> there is uh, Sydney, the idiot. Jackie, the badass. Yep. Who, Questionable. Uh, is in a romantic relationship with Regan. Hello. (laughs) Very exciting for me. Yeah, do you feel that representation, Casey? I do. Regan, the klutzy nerd who twists her ankle and is in a romantic relationship with Jackie. But only at the end of the movie. Like, they both are kind of, like, realizing it. Yeah, we get a surprise lesbians, definitely, as a a, a treat. As as a a treat for making it through the whole movie. (laughs) Surprise. Other cheerleaders include Quincy, who's a stoner. He is killed by a blow dart. <laughs> and then an axe. Uh, Mateo, who is our mumbly comic relief, he survives the movie. There's Silent Stew, who is just <laughs> as advertised. <laughs> He's just a character who does not talk. Until the end, he screams, bring it on, connecting the cinematic universe in one line. Paige and Evie are our twins. They are the murderers and aunt Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> End game. <laughs> it's not lost on me, Casey, that you just spent all the time naming every character <laughs> in this movie uh, and their significance. 
It's because, Jamie, I think it's important, right? I think so often, right, we, like, ignore character names when really right. these are just colors that we're painting with, right? right? Like names I don't know. Are... I don't think they matter. Fuck character names. <laughs> oh, Josh, you can't think like that. It's poetry, buddy. Anyway, that's the cast. Hashtag killing it. Hashtag cheersly. I think this is a good segue into my, the final of our four book reports on Bring It On, Amen. Cheer or Die. <laughs> From Universal 1440, the studio that brought you such sequels you don't know exist as R.I.P.D. 2, Rise of the Damned, Cop and a Half, New Recruits, Jarhead, Law of Return, and The Scorpion King 4, Quest for Power. Wait, say the last one? The Scorpion King 4, Quest for Power. Comes the Whoa, I love that the Scorpion King presumably has more sequels there are, than the mummy. There was, are. Was the rock in these? No. no. <laughs> Although Lou Ferrigno and Ron Perlman were. Incredible. Here is where I must confess something. I have never seen Bring It On. <laughs> it's not that I haven't wanted to. The time simply never came. It's kind of like when a friend texts you that they're going to be in town and you reply, let's get together, and you genuinely mean it, but of course you never make plans. That happened with Casey like (laughs) six months ago. (laughs) You never make plans because you know that they're not on the streaming platform you were going to see them on, and you think, damn, now I have to pay to go see them, and it's so much harder to do that, so you sit there with the remote in your hand debating if it's really worth your $10 to see them because you know eventually they'll be back in town, so you know why not wait until then. What was I saying? <laughs> oh, right, Bring It On 7, or the full title, Bring It On, Cheer or Die. Well, I'm pleased to report that I didn't need to watch the namesake 2000 film because this 2022 made-for-TV slasher head stands on its own. We begin way back in 2002, two years after the first film, but entirely unrelated to the first film. Smash cut to 20 years later, the school has gone full footloose and risky cheers have been banned. But co-captains Abby and Michaela decide to hold an overnight boot camp at the abandoned high school on Halloween night. One by one, the squad is killed off by the Diablo mascot, who wields a baffling number and variety of weapons. Is it good? Not really. Is it fun? Kinda. Is it better than the original? I can't say. (laughs) The jury... Is out. <laughs> Maybe someday I'll see it. So, I mean, I, I, I will admit something. There was one bit that I thoroughly enjoyed. Ooh, okay. The, hi- the highlights that I had were, I loved the idea of the Gymkata at the end. Yeah. Yes. I just, it was just poorly executed. And... It gave me a glimpse into a movie that this could have been that I thought was much more interesting, which is rather than doing a slasher movie, do an action movie. Ooh. 
uh, mm. which would die have been hard. a lot. Cheerleaders trapped in a diehard. Yeah. Ooh. Like, that could have been a lot hard. more fun, but also a lot more budget, so I understand it. Also, this movie was 100% shot during the pandemic, which means that there are five <laughs> actors. Yes. I mean, during the credits, they are practicing cheer moves with masks on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, at some point recently, a friend was, like, watching, like, pandemic-era movies are crazy, and I hadn't thought about it because I don't watch a lot of, like, new, new movies, but underlines the fact that it's like when you when you're like oh this feels weird I don't know why it's like oh it's supposed to be like a full school and yeah. it's yep. just like six people and all the all the other extras are like wildly in the back or yep. photographed yep. separately or you know if things like that. If it's a group of five people and or there are no extras, it was probably shot in the last uh, yeah. two years. I caught on a YA high school show that was one of the first shows that came back into production like oh, in right. October 2020. So like real early. Real early and you feel it when you watch those like high school scenes or like a party that they go to and you're like no. <laughs> <laughs> For me a highlight of the movie was when Mateo the sort of like gay comic relief cheerleader character comes face to face with the murderer in the mascot outfit which I loved that fucking the high school with the team named Diablos went full fucking Baphomet yeah. with their <laughs> mascot like yes. that's pretty fun I love that it had a tail yeah it had a tail it also had like hooves yeah, for hands yeah, yeah. that was fun but somehow past those hooves for hands the the mascot for a while's weapon of choice <laughs> is a, a bow. bow and arrow yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> And Mateo is like caught down yes. a hallway with the mascot shooting arrows at him, and he dodges one. Then he does a flip to dodge the other, but it hits him mid flip, and he's like, "Awesome!" Then he looks at his arm, and there's an arrow, and he's like, "Oh, oh yeah, yeah." yeah I, I did like that. I did like. Loved that. I loved uh, when the titular cheer or die scene happens, yeah. uh, and they all have to cheer for their mm. lives to like. The, 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 the yes. killers were really grading on a sliding scale. I'll say that much. Yeah, totally. Like they, the like, killers were not. They could have been like a little sticklers <laughs> if they wanted to kill these kids. But like every totally. time the kid comes up, it's just the saddest group of them going like cheering their name. Going, Mateo, Mateo, Mateo. <laughs> then he does like some flip and he kind of nails it. And they're like, yeah. yeah. And then the killers are like. He cheered, he can't die. It's one or the other. <laughs> I I I also really liked the 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 burn book like list of character stereotypes. And they were that, trying to figure out who they were. And and well, yeah, they were trying to figure out who they like who each of them were and they had different points associated with them for so they were competing on their kills, which I like the concept of. So the the thing about the the comedy that didn't play to me was that they were they were jokes despite the circumstances, mm. not jokes within the circumstances. And I think that that's kind of like where it often yeah. lost me, where it's just like, right. like the bit about like those aren't spirit fingers is at least a joke commenting on what you're yes. seeing versus yeah. like the whole bit where it's like, what if something comes out at us and it's a it's a girl scout and that's a one and uh, oh, what if I it's guess. a guy with uh. you know it's just like it's like this thing where it's like. Uh, Okay, you know, like this well, is it's 
that always feels like they're writing their own horror movie while they're playing yeah, it. Like, right. like the characters, not even not, not if the actors. like like if, for instance, in the burn book situation, if they're reading their own stereotypes, have them react to it and then start to act differently. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like like oh, I'm the badass. I could be soft too, you know, like, like have, Mm. have some sort of a synthesis in the acknowledgement of the stereotypes that they function in and then change because then that way it, the plot is involved in the character development versus the plot and the character development are almost unrelated. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. The slashing doesn't touch the character at all. Like, they are two separate rails. The thing that I really liked, no strings attached, is getting on the bus at the end. Yes! The the obvious misdirect of the bus driver being dead. He he goes on some tirade while he's doing that. He gets killed. Very funny. And then (laughs) getting into the driver's seat, running over the antagonist. Her going, you didn't get me, backing up, (laughs) running over her again, putting it back and forward in drive, running over her, like the, and the, the shocked faces of everyone. And and the slight jostle of the bus to indicate the bus has (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was, that was the bit that they, that they set up perfectly and execute, like they- Pun unavoidable, stuck the landing. (laughs) They they come in as a team that can't do aerials because they're not allowed to, and they leave as a team who can't do aerials because there's not enough of them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, until the following year, and that's when we get into... They 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 hit the pavement hard They staffed up quick, considering that body count. For the last... Five minutes of this movie, we finally get into the year 2023, what this whole podcast is supposed (laughs) to be about. I love that in 2023, at this cheer-off, there is like a program commemorating the dead, but also commemorating the people who didn't die. Like, they're also on... In memoriam, those who survived survived. the murder. Hilarious. That then Missy Pyle is crossing off with a fucking sharpie. Right, our team wins regionals. After the last year's tragedy, they they picked it back up. They got a lot of people to sign up for the cheer program the following year, considering all the No publicity is bad publicity, y'all. It's wild that the Wikipedia algorithm or whatever picked up on the fact that one scene in this movie took place in 2023 and then dubbed this as an appropriate 2023 movie. Right, which, I mean, I guess you could argue makes this not a 2023 movie. But at the same time, I don't know. I I feel like as we go on, we remember all the times (laughs) we spent together. And is there a better lesson for our current moment than, hey, sure, tragedy happens. (laughs) People die. But regionals is coming up, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. So get back on that cheeramid, goddammit. If regionals is your thing, if you're aiming for the regionals, fucking aim hard, y'all. Yeah. And that means no matter how ridiculous it is, it is worth losing about six of your friends <laughs> to win. That's what sacrifice is. <laughs> Welcome to the future, students of Video High. 
thank you so very much for listening to our New Year's episode. And with that, we close out another semester. Thanks so much for listening, y'all. Like, actually, seriously, thank you first and foremost for sticking with the show. We got big things coming. A new semester of Video High is going to mean more sweet, sweet water from the well of thirst quenching direct to video goodness it's gonna be more guests it's gonna just be more time with us your class myself casey regan greg hansen jamie kennedy and josh roth we'd all like to give thank yous galore to the people who help us make the show seth applebaum of ghost funk orchestra and gabriella tessitore of the band scout harris for our theme song, please go listen to their stuff. Talk about stuff worth listening to. Thank you, Justin Ferraro of the band The Rizzos for all our other music. Thank you, Ann Shearer, for our logo. And thank you to our teacher, Mr. Philip Marlowe. We, honestly, they make our show sound like a show. We are going to take just a little winter break and come back with a fresh semester of lessons for you our lovely, lovely classmates. In the meantime, all the episodes are available wherever you get your podcasts. Head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. Head over to our Instagram, at Video High Podcast, and our Twitter, at VideoHigh.pod. And Happy New Year, guys. Welcome to the future. I, my friends, can tell you there is a short list, a small list of things that will make Casey Regan laugh no matter how shittily they're done. Number one with a bullet is yelling at animals as if they're people and can understand. But number two, a very close number two, is referencing and twins. Simple Equations Podcast Network.